What's up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Shooting the Shift podcast. I'm Antonio, as always, joined by Jeff and Will for our first podcast of the second half of the 2021 MLB season. And before we get into anything, in our last podcast, we all said, hey, let's try Neftali Feliz. We were extremely wrong. We are sorry. We do not. Neftali Fleas was not the choice, not the guy. And we recognize that now. And th- this is a sincere apology from our podcast. There were so many things wrong when we said, oh, Neftali will be great. We, we, I don't know why we said that. We didn't even say it would be great. It's just like, we let's were, try we, were we can't be worse than what we have. We were hopeful. I, I, I think when, I think it was either the night of or the day after we recorded it. Neftali gave up the first Grand Slam, and we were all, I was like, oh, terrific. Um, And I was like, all right, it's his first time being back out there. Maybe we'll get lucky, and next time around, he'll be better. No, that that didn't happen. And then he gets DFA'd, and now we're sitting here apologizing. You know, I think we were right. I think Neftali was just wrong. I think we're fine. I'm, I take no responsibility for, I think the shooting the shift takes no responsibility. We can only put these guys in a position to win. They have to do their job. We put faith into a pitcher who has been accomplished in his time. We've seen a lot of pitchers go out there and blow it this year. And uh, sometimes it's just on the guys to execute and Neftali couldn't execute. Not our fault. Well, I also think we were expecting we were expecting a lot more from Neftali. I think we were expecting a lot. I think we were expecting a little too much from Neftali. Yeah. But now he's a Los Angeles Dodger and he'll yeah. probably have a World Series ring. Just kidding. But he won't. still suck. <clears throat> I think still we, suck. I think we were expecting him to reach like 97, 98. At least that's what I was thinking. No, no. I was just hoping he wouldn't be as bad as what we had. But we were yeah, all I wanted wrong. him. I wanted him to not suck, and that didn't work. Yes, and and, and that's what we have on Neftali Feliz. Um, it's, we're, we're swiftly moving on. And calling it back again to the last episode, you know, we were all in this spot where, you know, the Philly season was in jeopardy. We didn't really know what was going to happen. With the season, um, you know, we were staring down at that time what we expect to be two very difficult series. Um, and the Cubs kind of went the way of the Dodo and have extremely fallen off. But that ser- there's two series right before the All-Star game, the Cubs and the Red Sox. I um, mean, you know, the Phillies go in and win both of those series and they're, they're, they're flying and the offense looks alive. And, I mean, those two series right before the All-Star game completely changed the outlook on the rest of the season and kind of flipped – I at least I hope flipped a lot of people thinking like, hey, maybe this Phillies team can do something. Yeah, I mean, I think there were a lot of exciting things that not only we saw from the Cubs series, but from that Red Sox series. I didn't expect them to take two out of three from the Red Sox. I don't know about you two. I, I didn't expect it. Um, offense is back. That's all that matters. Yeah, and I think to go off of that point, Jeff, it's not just – Bryce or JT, it's Ronald Torres. It's Brad freaking Miller. It's Brad Miller. Three home runs. Uh, incredible. 
it just shows that this team, it, it's not just the one or two players. It, it's everybody as a team is coming together and they're putting forth great offensive games. The pitching has been really good. Matt Moore. Um, <clears throat> did you know <clears throat> the Phillies today, they won their game. They are seven and one in games that Matt Moore starts. I'm not surprised by that because I think, I, I don't know if it's that they expect that they need to score a lot of, no, runs. no, no, no. They are seven and one in it's games incredible. that Matt Moore starts. That is incredible. Game game one, World Series, twenty twenty. I already said Matt if Moore. what what he's what was my bet about Matt Moore if he wins a playoff game? I gotta wear a jersey to a jersey to opening day next year or something like that. It, well, if it makes you feel any better, there is a Jake Arrieta Phillies jersey in my closet. So uh, why does yeah, that? Why would that make anybody feel better? That's just only going to bring us. No, you know why it makes me feel better is because Nick Pavetta, Adam Morgan, oh. and Jake Arietta are the three individuals responsible for getting this Phillies offense back on track. Oh. And we're <laughs> extremely grateful for him. Did you say Workman too? Oh, I forgot about Workman. I mean, every player that def- def- destroyed the Phillies, we went in there. And I would Jake say Adam Arrieta Morgan got- wasn't as big of a disappointment as all the others in that list though but adam morgan at least helped us at some point to see the phillies walk into chicago and just absolutely decimate jake arietta knock him out of the starting rotation in chicago it warms the cockles of my heart (laughs) makes you a little happy makes me extremely happy but seeing jake suffer I honestly, I was hoping he would retire mid game. He got pulled in the second inning. And I was like, yes, vindication for all those years of Jake Arietta bringing me pain. We, we pay should, him back. Have known, wasn't it right when he signed? Like, was it when he signed or when we got Bryce or something where he posted a picture of him sweeping his apartment <laughs> in a Speedo? That was when we got Bryce. We should have known that that this guy just, just didn't have it. Yeah, I mean, oh boy. But the Phillies are back. They are so back. You know, I mean, it's exciting. Multiple two-digit run game, like ten-plus run games, and you know, position players. We're putting position players on the mound for the other teams because we're beating the pants off them so bad. The the game where they beat the they scored like they won like 14 to three against the Cubs or whatever it was. And we hit, I think three home runs off of a position player. It's like, yes, this is exactly what I want from the Phillies. This is, I want everyone to hate us because you know, when a position player comes in, you just, the other team's waving the red, the white flag and Reese Hoskins and Alec boom, go home run hunting. Love it. Well, I think especially um, for someone like Alec boom, no matter who's on the mound, Getting offensive, uh, especially getting a home run like that. Yeah, I mean, for Alec, it's been a, it's been a rough year. Um, so I think just seeing turned it on since June, though. Turned yeah, it on since June. Has. Only the Coco can stop him now. Oh well, rest in peace. But yeah, I mean, it, it, it's so important that these guys kind of ramp it up in the second half of the year, and, and I, we'll talk about it later in the episode, why it's so important. But right now, I want to get into... <clears throat> so we talked about those two series right before the All-Star game, but I want to talk about the All-Star game 
first time in what feels like forever the Phillies had two All Stars at the All Star game. I I could honestly think could have had three. I honestly think the last time the Phillies had two All Stars at the All Star game. Correct me if I'm wrong. Was Cliff Lee and Dom Brown? Uh, Kings, yes, it was. Jeff, Jeff's idol, Dominic Brown. Are like that's just insane. But we had Wheeler and JT, and you know, JT starts the game. Catcher position because Buster Posey goes down. And well, he hits a home Wheeler run. started too, right? Because he's been the second best pitch pitcher in the NL, other than Jacob Degrom. <clears throat> no. Jeff, you would have thought that Zach Wheeler, the second best pitcher in the NL, the man who is top two in innings pitched and top two in strikeouts, you you would have thought he'd start the uh, All-Star game when the other guy who occupies the top two spots is injured and opts out. No. Hmm. Max freaking Scherzer starts the All-Star game. Dave Roberts, I got to – I could say some things right now about Dave Roberts that would not reflect nicely on me as a person, (laughs) but just know he has his nose so far up Max Scherzer's ass. He's sniffing what Max Scherzer's eating. Well, I I think now you you guys might not like this take. I think the all-star game in general, this year was not very uh, – This both starting pitchers from the NL and AL, to me, didn't represent the guys who necessarily were pitching the best. No. Um, I think it was really all about offense. Well, I mean, in the I, AL, I, I don't know if I'd make that argument for the AL. I, I would. Sure. I don't think Shohei's been the best pitcher in the AL. But it, I think they definitely went more – for what would draw in more attention and well, yeah, that's like also what the fans would like and what the fans would want to see is Mac. Like, other than Philly, everybody knows Max Scherzer more than than Zach Wheeler. Yeah, but, but the crazy thing this year, yes, career-wise, <laughs> we're not going to try and say some thumbs. Yeah, stuff Zach there. Wheeler also doesn't cheat and use spider tack, but that's besides the point. Uh, they checked Max Scherzer three times and found nothing. So that's because he had to stop. But I digress. <clears throat> Max Scherzer should not have started that All Star game. And I read an interesting fan conspiracy. It was a published article that Dave Roberts may have been uh, buttering up Max Scherzer for a potential trade to the Dodgers. Like, Ooh. hey, I scratch your back, you scratch mine. Now, I don't know what the truth behind that is, and it was it was a well-written article, but if that's the reason Max Scherzer started the All-Star game, I'm going to be pissed. I think Scherzer started the All-Star game more because of his – he is having a good year. Yeah. And the fact that Max Scherzer, over his whole career, it would be hard to find anybody better in the league. Yeah, I think right now that that's a given. I mean, I mean, the only you know, one in the entire league right now that has a resume like Scherzer's would maybe be Verlander, Kershaw, Verlander. I mean, not even Degrom yet. 
Well, no, but it's a short you know, list. I can get over Zach Wheeler not starting the All Star game. I clearly have, but the fact that the second best pitcher in the National League only gets used for one out in the top of the ninth inning is absolutely ridiculous. He got absolutely disrespected, and I hope that just makes Zach Wheeler so angry that he goes on an absolute tear the second half of the season and just, like, shows, shoves it in everyone's face that he should have been in the All-Star game more. See, I was willing to think that maybe it wasn't a sign <laughs> of disrespect or something because maybe – from a conversation with Girardi, uh, Roberts and Girardi had decided that Wheeler would get one batter so that he would get into the game, uh, but not throw too many pitches. But then in Girardi's press conference before the doubleheader today, he said the reason that Wheeler is going Sunday is because they didn't know how much he was going to pitch in the All-Star game. And uh, he wanted to make sure he had his full routine in and full rest in. So it seems like that really was just Dave Roberts' choice. Blatant disrespect. That's all right. Wheeler will get them back. In the NLCS. NLCS, yep. uh, So the other Philly who talked about started the game, JT, hit a home run. I think he's the first Philly to hit a home run in the All-Star game in like 41 years. Mike big up to, was the last one. Yep, big up to JT. Congratulations um, to Jack and Tater's Real Muto um, for repping us well in Denver, making us all proud. Um, you guys want to comment on anything else? The home run derby, the rest of the All-Star game, uh, anything else? Just that it, it, Seems like Pete Alonso might just keep winning home run derbies. Uh, yeah. It seems like that's what he's – he maybe should just retire from professional baseball and just enter home run derbies. Works for me. I think it would work for any Philly fan if Pete Alonso did that. He could Pete be – Alonso annoys me. Yeah, same. The fact that there was all these good stories, he stared down – a cancer survivor about to win the home run derby and just said I was really hoping no nope, was gonna win. Nope, I am just gonna not care about you or the kids or the message. Yeah, and there was also a kid I'm that gonna got, act like nothing matters. There was also a kid that got like severely injured in the outfield while Pete Alonso was batting and Pete Alonso just walked all over that kid too. He's a terrible role model. It's a shame he's good at home run derbies but clearly doesn't care about the kids. So we might have to start questioning some of the role models, especially those out in New York. Um, But uh, at least it was cool to see Shohei. A little disappointed in the... Okay, can can we actually talk about who the real MVP was of that derby? Oh, Pete Alonzo's batting practice thrower? Dave Jouse or whatever his name is? They showed like the little home run square. Every single pitch that guy threw was in that square. He, I feel like every he, other BP pitcher was brutal, except for he deserves Dave Jouse deserves to be in the Hall of Fame for that performance alone. Like, I mean, any of the three of us could have come in like third place in that derby with with him. Pete Alonso didn't really have to do any work. 
it was just flip the bat a little bit and just a quick little flick of the wrist and it's going because it's in the perfect spot. Well, I also think elevation has a little bit to do with that. I mean, we saw what Shohei was doing batting practice before the home run derby. He was hitting them into the upper, upper decks of Coors Field. (laughs) Well, Trevor Story made a comment saying how he expected it to be easier for right-handed hitters during that, during the derby. And that definitely seemed to be the case. Because what was, was the only, finals? It was finals, Mancini. And, Mancini. Well, I meant the final. I was thinking the final four even. Mancini, well, yeah, Alonzo, Story. Yeah. And you Soto. Look, the only lefty to get out of the first round was Soto. Was yeah. Soto. And that's because he went up against the lefty. Yep. Right. It was Soto versus Shohei. Don't love the swing off. Oh, the th- love, love the three-minute timer and that you don't have to wait, wait for the ball to hit yeah. the ground. The th- Here's the thing. The swing-off swing was electric, though, in the, the derby before this. The swing-off between Vladdy and yeah. Jock Peterson. It just happened. But, it was cool to see. Um, it became anticlimactic, but, like, it was cool to see Soto just clutch it and just be like, Three swings. All right, let me hit three homers. Also, thank you to Juan Soto for hitting it 520 feet. That's the over, baby. Yep, the overhead. But that's the home run derby. And and speaking of Shohei Otani, Stephen A. Smith got it all wrong. You know, he said Shohei can't be the face of the MLB or whatever it was because he doesn't speak English. First off, Shohei Otani is fluent in three languages. English being one of them, he just chooses not to speak English in public. And, and two, it's like, okay. If you were going to be talking to the media who were going to dissect every, every word. word you say, wouldn't you want to make sure you're speaking in the language you're most comfortable in so you don't slip up and say something that you like didn't mean just because it's not your, your main language? Yeah, I mean... I would want to be able to articulate as best as possible what I'm trying to say. So, yeah, I would be speaking, if I was Shohei, I would be speaking in Japanese. That's if when I'm giving my answers, that's what I would do to make sure that I am saying exactly what I want to say. But I did hear he, uh, I think Jeff Passan, when he went on uh, first take to talk about it, was saying, um, like, Shohei, talks to his teammates in, in English. Yes, he does. He just doesn't so, – he chooses not to speak English in public, which I, I think it's for reasons like you were just saying, Jeff. But, I mean, Shohei Otani has been, since Mike Trout, the best thing to happen to baseball. He's doing something that we haven't – no one has seen in the last 100 years since Babe Ruth. No. Um, you know, it's Shohei is so great for baseball, and to have someone say something like that – it's just so stupid. I mean, what? A, that's the absolute worst time, too. You get to yeah. see this guy become the first ever all-star hitter and pitcher for the same game, literally leading off and the yeah, starting he was pitcher. The number one seed in the home run derby, starting pitcher, designated hitter, batting leadoff for the all-star weekend. That's insane. They changed so the freaking like, rules for the all-star game. They, you literally just so for show him off the mounds and he could still hit. Yeah. Like it's, I don't know. Maybe Stephen A just needs to 
stick to trolling the Cowboys. That's it. Which I'm down for that. Yeah, I think we're all very down for that. But he it was a just a bad take by Stephen A. at, the, at a very wrong time. Yeah, and then but at least out- he didn't back it up after. Yeah, at least he immediately apologized. apologized. Oh wait, no, he doubled down first and apologized after people were getting Told on him now. for doubling down. Right. But to wrap up All Star Talk, congratulations, Vladdy Jr. for winning the Launch. MVP. Launching and absolutely decimating a baseball. Um, you know, it's great to see what he does as well. Another guy, you would never say anything about him, but he speaks because he doesn't speak English, he just speaks Spanish. But you know, well, same with Fernando Tatis. I mean, I don't know. I mean, it's incredible how much these young players are, are doing to the game, what they're bringing to the game, the excitement that they're bringing to the game. It's it's great to see. And I think there were over 40 first-time All-Stars. Did I, did I hear that right? I think. Yeah, yeah. That's a lot cool. of young guys. Tatis, though, does speak English because he was doing the interview. Yeah. He was uh, mic'd up. Yeah. Oh, Which is also electric. William Hendricks mic'd up. My microphone's yeah. not working. The worst, um, the worst mic'd up performance was, I think, when Freddie – was mic'd up. Oh, you didn't like Freddie? And no. And then Aaron Judge got the first base and just had no personality. <laughs> I was about to say Freddie tried to talk always, to him and he said nothing. Freddie Freeman's always great and mic'd up. Yes. No, the I greatest, love Freddie mic'd up. Freddie Freeman's but, greatest mic'd up performance was in the rundown with him and Anthony Rizzo. Yeah. When Anthony Rizzo yeah. was calling him Frederick. Oh, yeah. Too but good. I digress. Too good. So you know. All-Star game came and went. We're into the second half of the season. And there was a man today that held a nice little showcase for some baseball teams down in Texas. That man, his name is Cole Hamels. And the Phillies were in attendance. And I swear to God, if Cole Hamels looks like a halfway decent pitcher and the Phillies can't sign him, I'm going to jump off the Ben Franklin Bridge. It would appear to me to be the easiest signing of all time. I think but, so. You know, here's the other thing. I think Cole Hamels has three directions he could go with here. One, Cole Hamels just doesn't have it anymore. He's, he's not like he hurt his shoulder last season. After one start with the Braves, he just doesn't have it anymore. That's alternative one. Alternative two, he does have it and could go somewhere else. Doesn't sign with Philadelphia. Philadelphia doesn't want him for whatever reason. I guess he has four alternatives. Then alternative three is: Do you go somewhere else to preserve your legacy in Philadelphia and go out on a high note? Because if he comes back and absolutely stinks, I think it sours a little bit of what we remember Cole Hamill as. Could you imagine if like Chase Utley came back for one season, was just like bad? I don't. I think think it would sour us. Utley wasn't great towards the end of his tenure here i feel like yeah but you yeah. Could, ima- could you imagine one of those core pieces like went away then came back and was just like taking up a roster space for no reason i don't think I'd yeah be a- I, I think people would still remember though because i, I yeah. feel like even i think you as an example you we've can- had in the last 21 years <laughs> yeah it, for an example though you can look even at um at ryan howard who no towards the end of his career, people, I mean, big time turned on him. 
like a hundred percent turned on yeah, Ryan Howard. They did. But yeah. now if you ask, no one's gonna be like, oh, Ryan Howard in 2014, 15. Right. Yeah, that dude sucked. They're like, Ryan Howard, man, watching him in the, the 07 through 11 run and like in even like 2006 too. That dude, it was just you throw it and, and he's just going to put it in the second deck every time. Right. Yeah. Or I think the, the fourth alternative is Cole Hamels has it, comes back to Philadelphia and just like kicks ass and we're all like, man, we love Cole Hamels. Yeah. And then he gets I, I, a statue I, I, right next to Nick Foles. Yes, but I, I do. I do think it is. I think potentially this, this signing is so easy a caveman could do it. So it's like Geico. Dave so Dabrowski can do it. If if he, I can't believe I just said that. If Cole Hamels winds up coming back to the majors and it's not with, uh, it's not with the Phillies and it's on like a reasonable deal then I'm really questioning Dave Dombrowski's competency. Yeah, you can't – like, I think Cole Hamels very much wants, would want to come back to Philadelphia too. He said that. He said it before that he wants to. He said he's very open to coming back to Philly. Doesn't he still live around Philly? I think he still has a house around here. Yes. I think so. And, like, Cause he I still think does his, stuff like his with charity – I yeah. think his charity is based mm-hmm. out of Philly still. It is. Like, I don't think it's that hard of a sell. And, like, we could tell him, like, if Cole Hamels comes in here, uh, he's right away the number four starter. I, I think you would slot him behind Eflin. Yeah. Because, I mean, at this point, at this point, Velasquez is probably the odd one out. Until well, Matt after Moore. Matt Moore's performance today? Yeah, after until Matt Moore decides to – stink again if he decides to stink again then we just yeah but it just <laughs> then Vinny Velasquez comes back and looks good for two outings and then and we switch we it just up trade again. them off we have to it'll it'll just be a Joe Girardi guessing game which one's gonna stink today and which one's gonna just be Cy Young reincarnate uh, yeah but it just it just makes so much sense for the Phillies to resign to bring back Cole Hamels um and Get just having done, a veteran Dave. presence a guy who knows what it takes to win in Philadelphia is huge. That's <laughs> the other thing. Are... He'd be who's gonna who's the veteran presence for that Much? that bullpen? Oh, that no, for the, or, the pitching staff for the rotation. Yeah, pitching staff. Who no, is what? the cutch of the pitchers? Yeah, but you look at Noah. Like, does anything that Noah does make you think that guy's gonna inspire a locker room? No, is it? No. Who else would you say it? Archie, I don't think Zach Wheeler is like that either. Sign Cole Hamels right now if that's the case. Just give him the bag. Give yeah, him I mean, just bring find that contract that he signed oh, with Ruben Amaro and just oh, let him sign it again. If that's if if Hector is the leader of that rotation, no, no. I would that whole pitching staff. Yeah, no, I'm good there. Cole Hamels just. In my mind, at his worst would be as bad as Velasquez, but way better of a leader at than his best. any of them. <clears throat> and at his best, way better than Velasquez. Oh, at his best. Although Cole, I mean, although Cole Hamels, Cubs although Cole Hamels did well. never strike out, never struck out 16 players in one 
inning or one <laughs> outing. Oh, yeah, but Vince Velasquez doesn't have a World Series MVP in his in his trophy case. Well, we'll, we'll think about this real quick. Um, obviously, we look at Cole Hamels. Yeah, we remember him from World Series MVP. You know, Velasquez has been sucking, but no one's going to remember that. They're only going to remember that 16 strikeout performance against the Padres. That's, that's all I choose to remember about Vince. <laughs> April 14th, very, 2016. There's Vince a very Velasquez. select group of people that will ever remember that Vince Velasquez did that. Everyone else will remember all the and, other things. And they're sitting right here. This is the select group. Yep. But well, the same way with so, Dominic Brown. I, I mean. No, Jeff's the only one who will remember Dominic Brown for that. But we're moving. Cole Hamels would be an, an obvious signing target. But the trade deadline is just around two weeks away. Oh, my God. The Mets and Pirates clear benches. Yeah. After Marcus Sherman and the other to- breaking news, if you missed it, was <clears throat> we, uh, we found out why Bryce did not play game two. Heat exhaustion. Uh, dehydration. Yeah. It happened to me yesterday. It's not fun. But – so Cole Hamels is an obvious signing target, but the trade deadline is quickly approaching and the Phillies as of this point are buyers in the, in this market. Um, Apparently way more than I thought we would be. Yes. The Phillies are going to what it sounds like make an all out push to win this division and get into the playoffs. With the, the spiciest nug coming from, the expectation that if Byron Buxton is to be made available, the Phillies will be at or near the, the top of, of the list, according to John Heyman. That is like I expected us to be looking at anybody who's ever thrown a baseball in their life to try and join this bullpen, and we would, would just kind of ride the offense as is. And there's been a lot of talk about like Chris Bryan and stuff like do we really need bats as much as we need to improve one no. the defense and the bullpen like yeah and I mean you look at you, you just you look at um, some of the obvious trade targets um you know a big guy that we've talked a lot about and even today his name came up a couple times with the Phillies being linked is Craig Kimbrell who necess- shouldn't necessarily be that high in prospect cost but like Jeff said, that spicy nugget of Byron Buxton. And is they have very some arms intriguing. out in Minnesota that could be could be thrown in there. I think uh, Taylor Rogers is a lefty out of their pen. Yes. I think they're closer. Um, I think he'd be a little expensive, but I'm pretty sure Minnesota's pretty fed up with Alex Colome. Who not hasn't necessarily yeah. been great, yeah. But to me, that screams as maybe like a throw-in in a deal or something. Like yeah, we take him on as well, and maybe he bounces back. Because if you look at Alex Colomay's numbers, something I did earlier today, this is really his only bad season he's ever had. It's kind of crazy where it's like you look at his numbers and you're like, wait, this guy should be someone who we should have been talking about as an elite reliever, but I feel like he was just, to me, he was always behind somebody else. Like he was never the go-to guy in a bullpen. Like he has a yeah. four, eight, three ERA this year. Then 
that only brings his career ERA up to 308. That's solid. Over 455 and two-thirds innings. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty good. Um, so Colin may be a target. Rogers would be a target. Um, you know, and, and then you look at some of their starting arms. Jose Barrios, is he available? Um, you know, the Twins are going to be sellers. Uh, and, I, and I think a, a package surrounding Buxton would be a little more prospect intensive uh, than getting sure. Kimbrell. But uh, and, and that that does worry me because Byron Buxton has missed a lot of games this season. Yeah, but when he plays, I mean, you talk about that speed. We saw what speed can do on the rare occasions that Roman Quinn would get on the bases. Yeah. And Byron Buxton gets on base way more than Roman Quinn does. Just see, ever since that news came out, I've been stopped picturing the the idea of like Buxton just hits a single, gets on first or something, maybe steals second or even doesn't, and Gene just does his normal, just ropes one into a gap, and Buxton even scoring from first at that point. And then our outfield's not that big, so he could cover all of center field easy and then half of left and right. Yeah, I, I'm just the the injuries worrying me, and I don't yeah. like. I think given the the prospects that knowingly you would have to give up, I I don't know. I'm so very in. I think the, he won't cost as much because of the injuries. You know, stock and feel. And it I sounds would, like I would also be in, but again, it's all contingent on whether he. Uh, signs his contract with Minnesota. Which they're talking about a long-term around a little above $70 million on an extension form, which isn't crazy depending on the amount of years. No. But so he's obviously is, very clearly a target for the Phillies. It's crazy. He could be a steal if you get him and he winds up avoiding the injury bug from now from now on yeah Um, because i do think he will you'll be able to get him for less than the talent is worth because of all the injuries um and here's the thing he's unlike guys like chris bryant who everyone's clamoring for chris bryant's a free agent after the year he's just a rental uh buxton still has one year of team control after this and then you think about the fact, if we go and get him, after next season, Didi and Gene's contracts are up. So that frees up a lot of money to the point where you could just easily resign. Just, yeah, he's resign him easy. The money won't matter. It's basically, you're spending what you're already okay spending. All right. We're going to get Byron Buxton. I mean, I'm in. I'm, he's obviously, I think, now I would put him towards the top, at the top of our trade targets. Um and then a he changes the lineup to me more than than uh, than Chris Bryant, Bryant. would. Chris yeah. Bryant's just another big bat in a lineup. That's let's be honest, we're just that's what, like that's the strength All we of have our is team. big bats by a lot. Is just we have big bats. This yeah, all... helps give us another dynamic and helps our defense more than throwing third baseman Chris Bryant in center field. 
It's, but it still doesn't solve the problem of our bullpen. Unless you're able to get someone like an Alex Colomay on a throw-in. I've also seen um, Richard Rodriguez's name thrown around. A yeah, little. but he's going to be expensive because it's the Pirates. And he's got, I think, three years of team control still. He's going to be very expensive to get. And I'm interested if- to see who is more expensive between Richard Rodriguez and Craig Kimbrell. I think, personally, I think it could wind up being Rodriguez just for the fact I, I that. I think it will be Rodriguez because of the but, control. And yeah, I, the his Pirates contracts, don't have to trade him. That's no, the thing. They don't have to trade him, and his contract is a lot nicer than Craig Kimbrell's. Kimbrell, you're talking about a team that is kind of maybe self-inflicted, but money strapped with the Cubs. And because you have to think that there's no way the Cubs intend on losing all of Rizzo, Bryant and Baez. Yeah. You can't lose that core. Well, you can. They're going to want to, they're going to want to shell out for, at least one guy, and I think that one guy will Should wind be up being biased. Uh, that, yeah. to me, I think Javi's the one who's most likely to stay around from there. Brian seemed like the writing's been on the wall since before Perfect. he even got called up. Uh, Rizzo seemed from this year that they would have to seriously up their offer in order to bring him back. So that leaves bias to me, and at this point, you're talking about if they're unable to trade Kimbrel, they owe him another $8 million through the rest of this year. He's got, I think, $16 million on his contract. So yeah, they're, that's why you they're going to save money. He's cheap. Yeah. I mean, you're going to wind up eating his the rest of his contract. Uh, that's okay. I just think I'm, yeah. I'm willing to do that. <laughs> yeah, for sure. It's not my money. Nope. No. It's not mine. Uh, you know what? The Phillies just got to go over the tax. That's what it all boils down to. Go over. Hey, Johnny. Johnny Middleton. It's your old pal, Antonio Spinosi here. Just go over the tax. It's not that difficult. Just go over the tax. And you know what happens when the Phillies go over the tax? Red October. There will be. There will be. I am guaranteeing it here tonight. 10.39 p.m. on this Friday, June 16th. There will be. If it's June, uh, it's July. Or July 16th. Well, July. July 16th. There will be a Red October. We will have Woo-hoo. playoff baseball because the Philadelphia Phillies are winning this division. I think the division. On the back of Cole Hamels. <laughs> and Matt Moore. We cannot forget Matt Moore. Come on. Yes, now. we can. No, no. Catch the freaking fever. There will be a red October because the Mets are going to, the Mets is the Mets. They're going to collapse like they always do. There's no the Phillies. Well, you got to think there's no Ronald in yep. Atlanta anymore. Uh, also, rest in peace and peace around Acuna and his knees. Peace and peace. Poor Ronald. But the Braves are dead. Yeah. Yeah. Nationals dead. Hmm. Mets gonna be dead if they keep playing Phillies, this bad against Pittsburgh. Philadelphia Phillies. We're just waking up, people. You have awoken the slumbering giant, 
and we're back, baby. There's going to be a red October because the Philadelphia Phillies are winning the division. They're going to win 90 games, and they're going to win the division. Here we go. Let's go, Phils. Yeah, I'm all in. All in on that. And just to give you a quick score update for the Pittsburgh-New York game, 4-1 Pittsburgh. So that would put the Phillies at the Mets. The Mets collapse is on early. What would that put the Phillies back at? Breaking news: John Great. Heyman, twenty teams attended Cole Hamill's showcase today in Frisco, Texas, and a handful already are in touch. Oh boy! Sounds like he looks pretty good. Yeah, I'd say so. Dave Dombrowski, get, get it done. Make good it job. Get done. it done. All right, you guys have anything else? There will be a red October. And that's on on Ja because the Phillies, they're going to get some players at the deadline. Oh, you just wait. They're going to get some players. Yep, by the next time we're talking, I mean, it could be looking at Cole Hamill's back and Byron Buxton. Patrolling hell, center. Hell, field. I am ready to pop the champagne now because the Phillies are going to be NL East champions. And that's what it's all about. Go NL Phils. Beast. Go Phils. Go shoot the shift. Go Will. Go Jeff. Red October. Catch the fever, baby. Peace out. Tuttles. <laughs>